Well, good evening, everyone. It's really good to see you all here again tonight. And as Davey was saying, you're, you're very, very welcome. And we appreciate you coming out to be with us in Dundonald Elam Church. I was mentioning there about the, the message this morning. I thought it was a great service this morning. And I have so many visitors here. And to have a message just about the grace, the beauty of the grace of God was just so appropriate. And I just appreciate Davey and his, his ministry this morning. And I actually got a, a message from the folks who had their baby dedicated and little Thea, and they said that they were blown away with the welcome they received in this church. So thank you all for doing that. That is one of the most important cultures that we want to develop in this church, a welcoming culture where every single one of us sees it as our responsibility to look out for the visitor, to look out for the person on their own, and to go and make them feel at home and welcome here. And I just thought that was brilliant. And I actually said some of the folks who are visiting here are thinking about coming back again. So we pray that they'll do that and that they'll find a similar welcome the next time. So it's good to see you all, and we're going to get into our talk now, and the theme for this evening is this, finishing well, finishing well, and to help us as we think around that theme, we're going to look at a king from the Old Testament called Asa. Some people pronounce it Asa, I pronounce it Asa. And he is going to help us in our thinking this evening. Asa's story, as we'll see in a minute, is, is given three full chapters in the scriptures, emphasizing its importance. Uh, some of the, the kings in the Old Testament just get a, a cursory mention and, and then move on to the next king. But this guy's given three full chapters, emphasizing that his story has something for us tonight to communicate something to us this evening. And so if you have a Bible with you, please open it to Second Chronicles chapter 14. Second Chronicles chapter 14. And as you look that scripture up, just to give you a little bit of context in terms of what was happening when, when these scriptures, this story was recorded. Basically, when Asa came to the throne of Judah, he, it, was, it was a very, very important time for him to do so. His grandfather was called King Rehoboam. And King Rehoboam was a bit of a nightmare. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And it was actually under King Rehoboam's reign that the nation of Israel split into two. A lot of people think that happened under Solomon's reign. It was under the reign of King Rehoboam. And it's split into two. And we've got the northern kingdom that's made up of 10 tribes. And it's called Israel. And then there's the southern kingdom made up of the remaining two tribes. And it's called Judah, Judah and Benjamin, the two southern tribes. So under Rehoboam, the nation is split and idolatry is rife. And then when he died, his son and Asa's father, King Abijah, came to the throne and he also did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So when Asa came to the throne, Judah was a shrunken shadow of its former spiritual glory. It was a shrunken shadow of its past, far from God. We're going to start to read chapter 14, verse 
1. Just follow this. What we're going to do is we're going to read a few verses, and then I'll say a bit, and we'll come back to it, and we'll read through a story a bit like that. And we remind ourselves again that this is the authoritative and the inspired word of God. So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for 10 years. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandments. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from the cities of Judah and the kingdom was quiet under him. And he built fortified cities for Judah, for the land had rest, and the Lord had given him rest. Amen. And we know God will add his blessing to that reading from his word. Asa did not have a godly upbringing. And there are probably some people here tonight, and you can relate to that, because that would be your upbringing, a similar type of upbringing. But at some stage in his life, God seriously touched him. At some stage in Asa's life, God seriously touched him and he makes a fantastic start to his reign as king. Verse two says, he did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. This guy was on fire. He absolutely was. The name Asa means healer. It means healer. And true to his name, he wanted to see spiritual healing in Israel. He wanted to see revival in the nation. He did not tolerate evil. He demolishes opposition by getting rid of idols and false altars. Later in his story, if you read on, you'll see he actually kicked his granny out of the palace because she made it one of those disgusting Asherah poles. He did not tolerate evil. He was passionate about people following God. Verse four says, he commanded the people to seek the Lord and obey his commandments. Can you imagine if we had a prime minister like that? Absolutely fabulous. Folks, every spiritual revival begins with awakening in God's people. Every spiritual revival begins with awakening in God's people. And every spiritual awakening involves the demolition of enemy strongholds. Every awakening involves the demolition of enemy strongholds. Asa tore down enemy strongholds. His start was outstanding. And verse 6 says a lovely thing. He knew God's rest. His heart was at peace. And I honestly believe that there are people here this evening who can relate to Asa. God has touched your heart in a very special way and you're on fire for him. You want to see revival in Ireland and awakening has already begun in your life and you know that because you're already trying to tear down the enemy's strongholds that 
you know are in your life, whether that be with regards to particular sins or whatever, but your heart tonight is set upon God. Your Christian life is seen an outstanding start and you're hungry for more of him and your heart is at peace. Do you know many, many Christians start their walk with God just like that. Start it well, but as we'll see as we read through Asa's story, many do not finish that way. Emphasizing an important spiritual lesson for us again this evening, which is this. It's not how we start our walk with God that really counts. It's how we finish it that truly matters. It's not how we start our walk with God that really matters. It's how we finish it that truly matters. But let's follow on the story because where we're at, Asa, he has made a great start. So if we go back to the scriptures in chapter 14 and we'll read through verses 9 to 12. This is God's word. Then Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against Asa with an army of a million men and with 300 chariots. And he came to Marashah. So Asa went out against him and set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephthah and Marashah. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, Lord our God, for we rest on you and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let this man prevail against you. So the Lord struck down the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Asa made a great start, but then came a test. Then came a test, and a foreign army, much bigger than his own, comes to fight And I'm sure every single one of us understands this, but it's worth re-emphasizing that those who seek God still go through battles in life. Those who seek God still go through battles in life. But we can actually learn from Asa here and because response in times of difficulty is very, very important. Asa's instinctive response in verse 11 is to call upon the Lord. It's to call upon him. That was his first reaction. He called upon God for help. He cried out to God. And you know, sometimes prayers that are born out of desperate need can be hugely impactive and effective. Sometimes prayers that are born out of desperate need can be hugely important and impactive. And Asa cries out to God from help for help. And folks, people who are on fire for God will still go through difficulties. The anointing of God does not mean insulation from the circumstances of life or a guaranteed plain sail through. There's nothing in Scripture to guarantee anything like that. And some battles will come our way just because of life stuff. Some battles will come just from the enemy. And then some difficulties can actually be discipline from God. 
But there's a huge difference between what Satan chucks at us and what God permits us to go through. Because everything Satan chucks at us is designed to pull us down, where God's discipline is always designed to restore us and to lift us up. And there will be people here this evening, and behind the nice smiley faces, you know there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. You're going through a period of loss, or it might just be hurt, or pain, or sickness. And I, please, I really don't want to appear to sound glib when I say this. But I really want to encourage you tonight, and we're prepared to pray with anyone or everyone this evening, if that's the case, that I just want to encourage you, like Asa, to reach out afresh tonight to God and trust Him, as we've been singing just before I got up to speak. Reach out afresh tonight to God and trust Him. Colossians 3, 2 says, Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. And I want to encourage you this evening, no matter how dark things feel, or no matter how hard things might get, to try and keep that focus on God because he has not abandoned you and someone needs to hear that. He has not abandoned you, even though you feel he has or he might have done. He has not. Because the assurance comes in Hebrews 13, 5, God will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And I've said this to you before, that promise, it's not dependent on our perfection, our sinlessness, or our performance. It's completely dependent on God's word and his grace. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he's in this storm with you. And I'm encouraging you to keep seeking him and never give up. Now, please hear me, because that is not a formula or a recipe for instant escape from all that we go through in life. In fact, some battles we go through may never fully be sorted out the way we desperately want. Some battles we go through in life may never be fully sorted out the way we want. And there's not one ounce of a lack of faith in saying something like that. It was Paul who had the thorn in his side and three times he asked God to remove it, whatever that was. And God didn't remove it. Paul found the sufficiency of his grace. David Watson, many of you will remember him. He was one of the great figures in the evangelical world in the 70s. A wonderful preacher, wonderfully used by God, and he got cancer, and he got terribly ill, and all the people, John Wimber, great man of God, mightily used by the Lord, came out, and they came out, and they said, God's going to heal this man. There was all the faith in the world to believe for it. But God took him home. God took him home. The prayers were not answered in the way people felt or wanted. Now, of course, God can heal today, and absolutely he does it. But often, I think we just need to be a little bit more vulnerable and real with each other when it comes to this stuff and life issues that people go through and realize not every battle gets won exactly the way that we want it. However, as we said, Paul learned through seeking God He didn't get that thorn removed, but he learned to find the sufficiency in God's grace. And we're encouraging you tonight to keep depending on God. And we pray like Paul that you will know the grace of God in a very, very special way, even if things aren't fixed the way 
you want. Asa has a great start. A battle came, but he kept his focus firmly on God. Let's go back to the Scriptures, chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 1 and 2 and verses 7 and 8. Now, after this battle, this happens. Now, the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Verse 7. But you, Asa, be strong and do not let your hand be weak, for your work will be rewarded. And when Asa had heard these words, the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and he removed the abominable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin and all the cities which he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim. Amen. And the rest of that chapter outlines how this guy responds to God's word which came to him through the prophet. And, and actually, if you go through to verse 19, you see that he was given 35 years of rest from battle which was unusual in those days. Asa has a great start. A battle comes his way, but he keeps his focus on God. And I wanted to read out those verses to you because what we've just read there happened following God's victory for Asa. And what happens is God's word comes to him through the prophet. And it's essentially a warning against complacency. It's a warning against complacency in his life. And Asa accepts the challenge. And that's good. He accepts the challenge because when we seek God, we will always be hungry to respond to his word. When we're seeking God, we'll always be hungry to respond to his word, whether it's a rebuke or not. And Asa responded because his focus was right. He repents from sin and he further cleanses the country from idolatry. And God's word's coming to us tonight. And if we're on fire, we'll be hungry for this. We'll be saying, God, speak to me through this word here this evening. We'll be absolutely hungry for it. And it's always the way we'll want to be at church. We'll want to be at the midweek meeting. We'll want to be in the places where God is moving. And when his word comes, rebuke, encouragement or not, whatever it might be, we will want to respond to it. And the more we seek God in our lives, friends, the more we realize that we need to keep seeking him and never stop. And God's word warned Asa against spiritual complacency, spiritual apathy, and readiness to not accept God's word that comes from exactly that, spiritual apathy and a wrong focus. But he's had a great start his focus is heavenward, even in the midst of a battle, and he continues to live by God's word. But let's go to chapter 16, verses 1 through to 6. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah. That he might let no one go out or come into Asa's kingdom of Judah. 
Then Asa bought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty. Let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father. See, I sent you silver and gold. Come break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So Ben-Hadad hated King Asa and sent the captains of his army against the cities of Israel. They attacked Ion, Dan, abel Maim, and all the storied cities of Naphtali. Now it happened when Basha heard it, that he stopped building Ramah, ceased his work. Then the king Asa took all Judah and they carried away the stones and timbers of Ramah. Amen. Something we learn also in life is this. Overcoming one battle does not mean that others will not follow. Overcoming one battle in life does not mean that others will not follow. Now, we should not go through life looking around every corner for a difficulty because life is to be celebrated and, of course, it's to be enjoyed. But we should not be surprised by battles and when they come. Asa comes under attack. However, somewhere in those 35 years of rest, Asa lost his fire. He lost his fire, and just like the prophet warned, he became complacent and stopped seeing the need to seek God. See, no matter how on fire we might be, no matter how many battles we have come through, we must never stop seeking God. But complacency had set into his life, self-reliance too, another battle comes his way. Now, this army was nowhere near as big as the army that came up before in the first battle. And his instinctive response there was to call upon God for help. What was his instinctive response this time? It was to form an alliance with a pagan king to warn off the oppressor. He found it easier to think of a smart solution than actually really trust God. And you know what he won, but it was in the flesh. And do you remember when God's word came to Asa through the prophet after his first victory? I want to read to you his response now when God's word came to him and he didn't have a proper response. In chapter 16, verse 7, says this, At that time, Hananiah, the seer of the prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped your hand. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not huge army? with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord, listen to this, the eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore from now on you shall have wars. Then Asa was angry. He was angry with the prophet and he put him in prison and he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of his people at that time. Wow, that's a pretty different response to when God's word came to him as it did whenever his focus was right. He didn't accept the word of God that was spoken into his life. In fact, he threw the guy into prison and started to oppress 
his people. And what was a glorious start to this guy's reign finishes up terribly sad. If you read on to the end of the chapter, you'll see that he even refused to ask God for help when he had a severe disease in his feet. It's not how we start our walks with God that counts. It's how we finish that truly matters. It's not how we start our walk with God that matters. It's how we finish that truly matters. No matter how on fire we think we are, no matter how much God has used us in our lives, no matter how many battles we have won, asses type of finishes not beyond any one of us here this evening. And the start of a bad finish is when churches, when pastors, when leaders, when Christians stop seeing the need to seek God. The early fire dies out. How many Christians have to look back to remember maybe halcyon days when they were on fire for God? The early fire dies out. People get complacent and start to rely on their their knowledge of God's word from years ago because they've stopped studying it. And when our focus is wrong, this is a horrible place to get to, when our focus is wrong, God's word, like with Asa, doesn't seem to get through. In fact, sometimes we can even become cynical of it. Sometimes we can even become Cynical of it. On fire people instead of sharpening us, annoy us. Nine times out of ten when an on fire person annoys us, the problem is with us. Because we're looking into their lives, we're seeing everything in that person that we know should be in our own lives. And also what can happen like with Asa is when people stop seeking God, they start to use their own wisdom to get them through. Even in church, Even in church, programs can be smart, fresh, new, and and, and seem to make a difference, and even be attributed to God, but sometimes God might not just be in it. Asa used his intellect and had what seemed like a victory, yet the prophet said he didn't get the full blessing. And there's a lesson. Don't let the good things in life rob you of God's best. Don't let the good things in life rob you of God's best best. He didn't get the full blessing. And people can think God is using them by the decisions they make, but often there's no real dependence upon him. It's all about intellect or talent. Now, please do hear me, because we should very much use our intellect and our talent, but never at the expense of our reliance upon God. People start to make their own decisions. They lose their desperation for God and the need to pray. Difficulties grind them down. And even fireless cynicism can creep in and it's so sad. As we come to an end here, folks, there's a really important verse in this whole story. Chapter 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You see, Ireland, Ireland reflects much of what Judah was like, godless and full of idols. It's godless and it's full of idols. And I honestly believe this, like an ass's day, that God wants to bring revival to this 
nation. He wants to bring revival to this nation. And revival starts in the people of God. And it starts whenever that awakening just brings us to the place where we want to tear down those enemy strongholds. And we passionately want to live for him. I honestly believe God finds many people here tonight who passionately want to live for him, who hate godlessness, and who want to see revival in this land. And if you feel that's you, then please hear this because the message from God's word this evening is this. Don't become complacent. That's the warning from God's word. Don't become complacent. And the message is to inspire us that through the thick and the thin and the many battles that we'll encounter and go through in life, we keep our focus on him and we keep seeking him with everything that we have because it's not how we start our walk with God, it's how we finish it that really, really matters. The, the worship team are, are going to join me on the stage here. God's eyes range to and fro tonight to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. However, also in the grace of God, he looks out tonight for hurting. He looks out tonight for fearful souls. He looks out tonight for sheep who have lost their way. And we're going to go into a time of worship in in a few minutes and that's going to give us a, a, a time tonight to reflect on God's word and, and what actually God's trying to communicate to us as individuals here this evening. Has complacency set in? Has it? Is there a battle going on in our lives? Is revival on our hearts? Well, every single one of us then needs to respond. And we'd love to pray for people tonight if you would like prayer. But if you just want to sit and listen and sing the songs as we go through them and respond in your way, that's totally okay too. But during these songs, we're going to encourage you, if you would like prayer for anything that's been spoken about tonight to come forward, something challenged you, is there a choice that you need to make tonight? Is there a choice that you need to make tonight? Either like Asa, you're maybe a bit cynical. Or maybe there's something stirring up in your heart again. It's said, Lord, I, I want you to revive me afresh. I want you to awaken my spirit. I want to give you my all again. Maybe for the first time in years, you're wanting to make that call. Let's all stand together. We're going to close our eyes. And I just want to throw out a few things again. Just Maybe there's someone here, people that want prayer for. I wonder, is revival in your heart? There's something burning in your spirit. And you are calling out to God for his, the move of his spirit in this nation. God's eyes range to and fro to strengthen you.
why don't you come forward tonight when we start singing here and get prayer and the prayer will be that complacency will not set into your life but through the thick and the thin of what you go through and what you experience that you'll never give up on God I wonder are you here and you're actually in the middle of a battle a battle of loss a battle of hurt or sickness or maybe you know of someone who's going through this type of battle please be like the early Asa and seek God for help you can do that from your own seat but if you want to come forward and receive prayer for healing or for someone else please do it and we'll just pray that you'll know the grace and peace of God in your life I'm sure we've seen those paintings of Jesus and he has the little lamb around his neck. Remember Bible college lecture saying once that in ancient days in, in the Middle East, if a lamb escaped, the shepherd would go and look for it. When he would catch it, he would, he would break the lamb's leg. Which doesn't sound great, but Actually, the purpose of that is that he would put the lamb around his neck and during that brokenness and that pain, that lamb would learn to walk with the shepherd. And during that pain, he would develop intimacy with the shepherd. And it might just be that that's a message for someone that what you're going through and the pain and the brokenness that you're experiencing we want to pray tonight that you will know intimacy with God and that through this you'll learn even more how to walk with him or maybe you're like Asa and you've lost your way thank God that you're here tonight maybe you've lost your way and you need to look back to those times when you were on fire for God maybe God's calling you again he says behold I stand at the door and knock often use that evangelistically but actually the context there Jesus is talking to the church behold I stand at the door and knock please let me in I'm on the outside please let me in maybe you feel that knock on your heart tonight it's Jesus saying let me back in let me reign again please don't go through life with regret shared this story with some of you just that in the Old Testament King Saul lived his life and when he got to the end of his life some of the last recorded words we have of him are I have played the fool how horrible to get to the end and look back and know we've blown it we've played the fool There's another Saul in the Bible who became Paul. And some of the last recorded words we have of him in Scripture are these. I have fought the good fight and I've kept the faith. And now there's a crown in store for me. And I know in the heart of every Christian, whether we feel God is closer than our breath or a million miles away, that's the way we want to finish. We want to finish well. Well, why not open up our hearts to him again? Let's not play the fool anymore. It's not how we start our walk with God that matters. It's how we finish. And you can sit or stand and worship with the guys if you want. But if there's anybody who wants prayer, some of the session will come forward and help pray too if we need that. Please just make your way up.
and we'll do that quietly and gently and lovingly. But please respond to the Lord tonight. There's something in his word for you.